Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Traveling Image Makers podcast. I'm your co-host, Ralph Velasco, and I'm coming to you from Chicago, where I'm currently in between trips, but actually heading out day after tomorrow to lead a trip to Copper Canyon, Mexico, which I'm really looking forward to. Fortunately, Ugo is with us today as well. How are you, Ugo? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you. What's going on with you? You just got back from somewhere, didn't you? Oh, yeah, it was just a short trip to, to Germany, but I'm uh, preparing. Actually, when this episode goes live, probably be somewhere between Malaysia and Singapore and Cambodia. That's what I'm leaving in a couple of weeks. Wonderful. Preparing for it. Is that uh, just a family trip? Or yeah, that's a, that's a family trip. Uh, that's uh, But I always... Uh, get every opportunity possible to to take photos and um, said before i think but i'm going to meet up with a couple of friends there uh photographers the two of them have actually been already guests on the show i'm talking about uh, matt brandon and pete demarco so hi matt hi pete if you're listening uh <laughs> by the time you listen to this we'll probably have already met face to face so yeah really looking forward to it so let's get right into it and let me give you some background about our next guest. According to the about page on her website at mariamarie.com, Marioli Vasquez, or Maria as she's referred to in her new home of London, England, is the creative mind behind Maria Marie. She's a photographer and stylist from Mexico, currently living in London. Her main interest is photographing and styling interiors, still life, food, and lifestyle. Her work is known for its unique use of color and whimsical styling. Textures, patterns, and playful elements are used consistently in her work. Maria is known in Mexico for her collaborations with creatives in many different fields and her numerous exhibitions. She's also made diverse campaigns for different brands and collaborated with different advertising agencies. She's been featured on many international design blogs and is starting to do editorial work in Mexico and abroad. Maria just published her new book, Pastel Moods, in 2018, which we'll surely talk about. We first came to hear of Maria via our recent guest, Scott Kelby, an episode hopefully all of you have had a chance to listen to by now. We were talking about style in photography, and Scott brought up Maria's Instagram, which you can find at SayMaria. And it was a perfect example of a photographer who has developed a very distinct style. Not too bad when one of the top photographers and educators in the world notices your work. Maria's style is not just about photographing one type of subject and post-processing it in a certain way. It's about a very distinct color palette that crosses any number of photographic genres, from food to architecture to selfies and fashion and beyond. Finally, as I mentioned, Maria is the author of a new book appropriately titled Pastel Moods, which we will certainly talk about in a bit. Without much further ado... Welcome to the show, Maria. How are you? And where are you these days? 
Hi, Ralph and Hugo. Thank you very much for having me today. It's a pleasure. So at the moment, I'm spending summer in London and it's been quite hot. And up until today, when it, everything went back to normal, it started raining here in London. So, yes. <laughs> Is that a dry summer in London? Yes, it's been very weird. It's been very, very hot and very sunny. So mm. not something that you see normally here in London. Okay. Well, why don't you fill in some of the blanks for us, Maria? Because your 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 name is Marioli in uh, in Mexico. You go by Marioli. I, I assume that's your given name, but to make it a little bit easier on people, you go by Maria. Is that correct? Yeah. So actually, my name is Maria Oralia. So oh. everybody calls me Marioli. Okay. Uh, but I I discovered when I moved here to London, it's quite hard for them to pronounce it. So I just go for my first name, Maria, which is. Quite easy and straightforward. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, your given name's even difficult for me, and I speak Spanish, but Marioli is easier. Maria uh, is the easiest. Okay, so why don't you tell us more about you and your background and uh, how and when you came to be a full-time photographer? Um, sure. So I start since the beginning. So I've always been very interested in Everything around design, art, craft. Since I was little, I was always trying to do like creative stuff. So it's something that I've always been. So it's always that something's been uh, always been in in my life. So when I was quite uh, trying to decide what to study, I was quite lost. And don't ask me why, but I, but I decided to study to become an accountant. So <laughs> I did a year in accounting. And that's all I needed to realize that that's not for me. So, <laughs> exactly. So after a year, uh, I, drop, I dropped out and I was trying to figure out what to do next, next. So I decided to experiment a little bit and just move abroad uh, for a while. So I went to, to Paris to learn French and to work as well so while being there I was living with a French family it was kind of like a uh, they say bobos it's like the bourgeoisie bohème so it's people that are living out of art they are doing their passions and they are actually living of it so for me it was quite interesting to see that people could actually live out of their passions because back in Mexico, it's very hard to do a career uh, out of art, photography, or design. So for me, that was very eye-opening. Uh, the father, he was a director of photography for films. And the mother, she was an editor of films. So I remember while having dinner with them, we used to talk about art, about photography, about travel. The father, he used to travel a lot for work. So I remember when he came back, he showed um, the kids and the family, his photograph, and he was just telling these amazing stories uh, with just one photograph. So that's when I saw the importance of storytelling behind a photograph. And I don't know, I, I uh, it just captivated me a lot. But then, well, I did a year there, and then I decided it was time for me to go um, back home in order for me to finish um, what I have started. I needed to to do a career for myself, so I went back and I started um, and I studied uh, tourism 
Um, I then specialized in cultural tourism. I was very keen into museums, everything that revolved about, around art, about traveling to different places, discovering different cultures. So I started working in a museum uh, full time. Uh, I was obviously still doing for photograph like during my free time I never did it um like I never did a course or anything I, w I was it was something that I just want to continue for myself it's like when I went to Paris I I found this sensibility in myself in the artistic way it's like I learned how to see things in a different way so I just wanted to maintain that that's why I continued do doing photography uh during my spare time so <coughs> Sorry. Uh, I remember a friend of mine, she, we were talking about the iPhone and about the apps. And that's when she told me like, oh, you should download this really new uh, app. It's really cool. It's called Instagram and it has amazing filters. And I was, I remember when I downloaded, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And the filters are so cool. And I think they just had like nine filters, something like that. It was, it was something really basic. So so for me, it was a way to just experiment with filters, with photography. And I used to have a lot of friends uh, that were uh, from abroad that I met in Paris. So when I told them that I went back to Mexico, I remember they, they told me, like, but Mexico is very dangerous. I'm hearing all of these things on the news about these narcos and the crime. And I remember that I told them, like, well, follow me on Instagram and I'll show you the beauty of Mexico. I'll show you the nicest parts and what really Mexico is all about, not just what the news decide to, to portray. So I don't know, it became my mission to become um, Mexico's ambassador of beauty. So uh, during my, <laughs> during the weekends, I remember just grabbing my camera. I had a really basic camera, nothing fancy, or even taking pictures with my cell phone. I started experimenting with um, different editing apps. They were all very basic. It was just color correction and obviously the filters of Instagram. And yeah, after that, I think Instagram became bigger. And I think people started liking my work. And from then on, people started approaching me to see if I wanted to take pictures for them, for their products. And... To be honest, I never did full-time photography. I always used to have a full-time job and did photography as a side gig. And I just became a full-time photographer this month. So <laughs> it's going to be an exciting journey. Let's see. Well, congratulations. As uh, Ralph mentioned at the beginning, we discovered your, your beautiful work because uh, Scott Kelby mentioned you and he specifically mentioned your work as an example of uh, somebody who has a consistent style, which Scott says is, is really important. It's one of the uh, things that they don't tell you, but uh, that you should really know <laughs> in order to um, be successful in photography, having a consistent style being and I, your own style is really important. And everybody finds or develops their own style in a, in a different way, I think. Uh, so what, what was the story of it for you? Did you always had in mind that you want to have that kind of pastel colors? It was very intentional or it was something that developed more organically. And one day you found yourself, oh, this is what I'm, I've been doing so far. I guess I should 
call it my style. My style. Yes. So, so yeah. When I heard uh, Scott talking about style, I think he was very on point when he mentioned that that's something that's quite important when you decide to become a photographer, because nowadays everyone is a photographer with your cell phone. So you need to find a way to to t- stand up in the crowd and to find something that will make your work really, really unique. So I was surprised at how he got many things right about my work, even without uh, having talk to each other. So um, I guess if you scroll uh, all the way back to my first photos in ID, you will see it was very different to what I was doing now. As I mentioned, it was very experimental. I was just taking pictures of what I thought um, was was pretty about Mexico or was interesting about Mexico. The little details that I found, uh, they were beautiful, beautiful or they were worth uh, showing. So uh, I was experimenting a lot with filters. Uh, adding geometry to some of the photos. So I was not doing it professionally. So I think I, w- I felt very free to just experiment a lot and try different things. So there was no pressure at all. And it was nice just to see how this style could, um, could develop. And I remember uh, there was something very consistent in my work that I always used to to take pictures of uh, of colors, especially light colors. I felt they spoke uh, as me, like very airy pictures with a lot of light, very sunny. As you know, Mexico is very, very sunny. So you're always going to get a lot of light in your pictures. Um, and I don't know, I was just taking pictures and I started to feel, it just started to feel right. Like using those colors just felt right in the inside. It's, it's very hard to explain, but it's almost as if you are intuitively doing it and all of a sudden it's, you take the picture and you just know it's right, like deep inside of you. It's getting a sensation that that's what you were aiming or that's how you can speak through, throughout your photography. So I guess I started to find a way to see the world that felt very comfortable for me, felt very natural. So I guess, as you say, it was something that I found very organically. Uh, it's just the way that I see something, I like it, and I take a picture in that moment. So, yeah, it just it's something that started evolving very naturally. And it was like not being a full-time photographer allowed me to be very experimental into just finding what felt right for me. Do you see some kind of correlation between you changing your style you said at the beginning it was not exactly like that and getting more interest in your work Mm, I guess that I started changing my input I don't know if that makes sense I started to become more aware of my surroundings I started to be more careful of the things I was consuming visually so I chose very carefully the magazines that I read the blogs that I followed, the movies that I see. So I, I always try to say like, okay, my input is going to be eventually my output. So I just, 
I just became more conscious of the things that I was seeing, of the style that I wanted to, to, to do, but also very conscious of what felt naturally, like very organically inside of me. I don't know if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> it's hard to explain. That's interesting. So you were uh, very consciously being aware of your surroundings and the things that you were consuming, like magazines, movies, any uh, input into, uh, and that you felt uh, has continued to help uh, drive your work and the style that you have. That's interesting. Yeah. Yes. Who are some of your clients and what sort of work are you doing for them? Uh, you know, what kind of uses are they, do they have for your photography? Okay, so I have a, a range of clients that go from fashion to beauty. So it's very varied. I have worked for HP, for Dyson, for Ford, for Unilever, for Dior, for Ted Baker. So I think these uh, clients approach me I think they trust my vision and I don't know if curiosity is what trusts them to me in the way that they want to see how I can portray their products or their services or just trying to see how my brand can merge with their brands and just come up with an interesting collaboration. Most of the work that I do for them is for uh, social media, so for Instagram or I also do content creation for them or for, for different seasons, for example, uh, spring, they will give me their products and I'll create some uh, lifestyle photographies for them. I also done some uh, stop motion videos uh, for them as well, which uh, is something I, I found very fun working with, doing stop motion videos. That's interesting. Uh, I, I've not uh, done much of that or seen much of it. Uh, perhaps you can give us an example of that when we, uh, and I don't know if we'll go, if there's a way for us to put something like stop motion into the blog post. Yeah, sure. I mean, if there's a video, okay. of course we can. Yeah, right. I can share you some of the links yeah. of the stop motions I've done for different clients. That would be interesting. You know, I've always been a huge admirer of photographs that are styled and in, in what you're doing. Uh, can you talk more about that? I mean, how do you choose the subjects and the objects? I mean, sounds like your clients are sending you these things and, and, and you're just using your creative um, experience to put them into these uh, wonderful f- photographs that you create. And uh, what's the longest it's taken you to actually set up a shot? Okay, so... How do I choose my subjects? That's mm-hmm. very interesting. I don't know. I feel it's just things that I'm drawn to, something that speaks to me or perhaps something that I'm interested in at the moment. I think the longest shot that I've done, a setup, was when I was back in Mexico. Uh, there's this photo, uh, Hanging Flowers, it's called. Uh, it was in the middle of the summer in Mexico. I think we were like 45 degrees Celsius. And I wanted this picture. I, I had it in my mind of how I want it. So I remember waking up really, really early to go to the flower market. I got like hundreds and hundreds of different flowers. And I, for, in order for me to do this, this photo, I needed to go on a rooftop. So I remember getting a ladder, going into a rooftop, and just improvise a pulley 
so we can carry the buckets of flour onto the rooftop. I think that photo shoot lasted for two hours. So it was quite difficult, but I was really excited about the out- outcome. But I, I think I did that because I had a really clear idea in my mind of what I wanted to do or how I wanted to accomplish. Even though normally when I work for clients, I like to do a brief. I like to set a, a mood board of how I'm going to plan. But I, I always allow room for f- like flexibility to change things around if it doesn't feel quite okay during the session. So I think it's having a very clear vision, but also being flexible if things doesn't work out the way you would like to. So, well, yes, in this session, we were on the rooftop, 45 degrees Celsius in Mexico. The flowers were drying out, so we had to work really, really quickly. I remember I had some help. uh, but it was fun, yeah. It was an interesting experience, and you learn from those experiences. For example, perhaps put some ice on the water of the flowers so they will they will not dry that quickly. So you start learning from your from and you start learning from your mistakes, and, and you become more um, how do you say more more conscious of your work. I think so. Do you do any behind the scenes type, uh, you know, show what it take, what's involved in doing something like that? <laughs> I think that would be interesting. Yeah, you are. No, I don't do behind the scenes. But normally, for example, when I'm um, when I'm traveling and then I want to get a shot, I'm normally very, um, how do you say, mm, careless. So I will go like, if I want to take a picture there, I'll just climb some stairs, I'll just climb a tree or do something to get the picture. So my husband always comes with me and I guess he's the one doing the behind the scenes just because he finds it amusing of how excited I get when I see something and he's just like doing Instagram stories of like, oh, there she goes again. And now she's like climbing these stairs so she can get the picture. So yes, it's always fun to see how a shot is created. So I think that will be interesting for my followers to see the picture and how it was really done. Mm-hmm. Well, make sure you get, uh, you uh, give us that picture that you're just talking about. Cause I'd, I'd be interested in that. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking through your um, Instagram stream while you were talking. And I think I see it goes back to 2011. Uh, so it's, uh, you started when Instagram was quite young, I guess. I don't, I don't remember when it came out, but, um, and, and you can see definitely uh, a progression, development of your style. And at the beginning, I see photos that are clearly, uh, as you said before, the use of uh, Instagram filters and so on. And then they're developing into something more personal and definitely more, even more elaborate, more like it, it, it's obvious that you're, you're going from uh, more of a casual type of shots to uh, images that are constructed with props and objects and so on. Uh, I would also like to ask if during this time uh, your equipment also changed. So if you went from a smartphone, which in 2011 would have been really simple, and now you shoot with more of a, a pro type of camera, and what if you use a computer for processing now, and especially aside from the question about gear which might be uh, a little trite but do you think the change in in your equipment 
if there is, was any change impacted your style mm. okay so yeah when i started i had um i was shooting on my iphone the first pictures that i did the ones that are very experimental just i was walking around and whatever i i found that i liked i took pictures with an iphone and then i decided to buy um a camera it was a fujifilm an x10 so it's nothing fancy it's now it was not very professional it was very uh it was very handy because i could have it with me uh everywhere and uh, i think with that camera that's when I started finding my my style. Uh, it was a very versatile camera. It had zoom lens, and I really loved the camera. Uh, it had. I, I remember I buy uh, an SD card that had Wi-Fi, so I was able to connect my the SD card with my phone, and I could just download them to my phone and edit them there. So I think that's when I my work became more shareable and. After that, I started saving some money, and I upgraded to a Canon 60. I think the first model it, they released. So it was a full frame. I the difference that I noticed the most it was in the lenses. I was able to buy some fixed lenses, so I got the 50 uh, 1.4, and that's when I started uh, experimenting with the depth of field. I found that lens gave more light or I was able to take pictures the way I wanted, like more airy, more natural, more feminine. And uh, after that, I just I just recently updated to the, the Canon 5D, the Mark IV. So it's, an, it's a great camera. I don't, I mean, I, be, I, I used to do work with the Canon 6D for almost... I don't know, four years, and it's a great camera, and I just updated to the Canon uh, 5D, not because I thought it was the best camera, it's just I wanted to be more uh, more prepared in terms of equipment. Uh, I think what, what, what really helped me in my work it's not just the camera, but it's the lenses. I think I found the lenses are the most important. I have the 50, um, 50 millimeter 1.4. I have the the 35 1.4, uh, the 100 millimeter macro, and the 2470 uh, 2.8 that I use for traveling. So I don't really feel that having a m more expensive camera will get you better photographies, to be honest. I just think that is the way that you know how to work your camera around and just have a very clear vision of what you want to, to photograph and do a lot of experimenting. I think that's, uh, that's the, the best thing. I see some photos where it's clearly you in the frame, but you're a certain distance from the camera, maybe walking along the street. Um, is that something that you do by putting the camera on a tripod with a timer shoot or timer uh, uh, trigger or do you have an assistant that does that? Okay, so some of them are with a tripod and I just use a timer and other times is my husband assistant. Husband slash photographer assistant <laughs> when we <laughs> travel. <laughs> so yeah, 
um, I will just see the photo and I will ask him like, okay, you go there. I'm going to take a picture of you. And I want you to take the same exact picture, like just don't move. I'll just put the settings on the camera and he'll be the clicker. That's mm-hmm. how he calls himself, the clicker. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> That's great. Yes. Uh, tell us what makes a great styled photograph. Uh, what are some of the so-called rules of composition that people need to be aware of when they're photographing a styled subject? Mm, okay, the rules of composition. So I really never study the rules of composition. I think it's something that you, for me, balance is very important. Just fa- finding balance between uh, the negative space and the uh, the object that you're going to be shooting. So it's just finding the right balance in what feels right. I it's very weird, but almost my mind works in percentages. So for me, I will say for this photo, I want negative space to be 40% and the other things to just work, uh, to hold the other percentage. So I will just do that in my mind and just try to move things around. I mean, when I do a, a style photography, I don't just take one shot. I try to move things around to just see what will feel better, what will work better at the end. Interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, we we call them rules of composition, rule of thirds, things like that. Obviously, the old saying is rules are made to be broken, but I think that they're they're just a natural way for us to look at things that uh, for the majority of people seem right. And so I could could absolutely... Yeah, I can understand what you mean by uh, working in percentages. That's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the third of rules. It's almost mm-hmm. as working in percentages. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's very important for people to like to learn the rules of composition, just so that so that you can feel very comfortable when breaking those rules, mm-hmm. and just try to see more interesting way to just portray uh, a subject. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about your book. That's titled yes. Pastel Moods. And uh, they just, uh, uh, is it already being published or is it going to be published? Oh, yeah. So this book is already published uh, in Europe. It's going to be published in in United States and in uh, Mexico and South America by September, October. And it's a, it's a book that we worked very hard with, with my publisher. We were trying to come up with ideas of how to put this book together. And he told me, I remember he asked me a very important question. He's like, Maria, why do you do photos in pastel colors? Like, what's what's up with that? And I remember I told him like, well, for me, the pastel colors is a way that I can uh, express the way I'm feeling or I can express my emotions is, a, is the tool that I use in order for me to make my photos talk. So that's when we decided to do this book uh, and throughout my photography, just try to see the relation between colors and emotions. So this book is divided in eight chapters. Each chapter uh, explores a color and the emotions that arise when we look at this color. So it's divided. We have pink, blue, yellow, obviously everything in, in a very like, pastel hue 
Who, who are the readers of this book? Who is it directed to? Is it a, like a coffee table book or who would be your ideal audience for it? <laughs> yes, well, it's a, it's a coffee table book. Uh, for me, it's a book for people to find inspiration. I think for them, I always start about my photography as a way to make people feel calmer, to feel, uh, to bring in them more positive feelings, more feelings of a world where beauty exists, when it's worth to live and where it's, um, it's just nice to, to look at and when you just feel comfortable and you have a sense of peace. So I feel that is a book perhaps for stressed people that just want to take uh, a day off and look at something nice, uh, look at something that will uh, nurture their eyes and their soul. Is it only available as a hard copy or do you have an e-version of it as well? Uh, no, it's only available as a, as a hard book copy because for me it feels like having a tactical feeling to the photos make a more complete experience. Yeah, I think it makes sense for for the book of this kind to be only physical, especially because I'm looking through some of the, the pages of it that you have on your website. And uh, for those colors, for those pastel colors, you you list the was that the CMYK combination of colors that correspond the, that corresponds to a given hue. And if it's printed, then it, it must be faithful to that. And if people are seeing it on the screen, sometimes, I mean, people's screens are all off the chart, so they would not be seeing what is actually meant to be represented there, actually. So I think that's a good choice. Yes. To, to only <laughs> yes, exactly. So, Marioli, uh, how was it transitioning from Mexico to London? I mean, what are some of the differences that you've noticed as a photographer? Yes, so I moved to London about uh, three years ago to do a master's degree. And what uh, the, I think the biggest difference was the light. Uh, I was used to having a very bright light in Mexico. I, I knew the correct settings of how to use my camera when I was shooting uh, outdoors. I think I felt very comfortable in my camera in Mexico. And when I moved here to London, it was around uh, September, so it was almost, uh, it was autumn, and uh, it was very different. Everything was different. The light was di different. The temperature of the lighting was different. So I was not getting the colors that I used to get in Mexico, and it was almost as if I had to learn photography all over again. So... The good thing is that I was studying, so I have uh, I had free time to just go out and start to experiment with the lightings. But if you don't know, uh, during winter, uh, London is dark by 4:30 p.m. So you just get a, a like a little time with the sun, and it's mostly cloudy. So it's kind of like working around with that thing and just learning the settings. So I think those were the, the most difficult differences that I noticed um, in my photography when moving to London. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you, you, you hear about London being cloudy and, you know, sometimes gray and cold, rainy. Uh, but I, I never thought about, you know, someone who's moving from a very, very sunny sort of pastel kind of, I mean, when I think of pastel colors, I, I often think of Mexico and the tropics and beautiful beaches and things. And then you move from that to a place like London. So um, are you still able to, to find subjects that fit in with, uh, you know, your pastel moods? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think I moved to the greatest uh, to the grayest city yeah. in the world, <laughs> very, very gloomy and very dark. Wow. But to be honest, um, I think London has given my work a little bit of edge. It has made me uh, really reinforce my style to see that what I really, really like is shooting pastels. So I go out of my way to really find pastels in London. And believe it or not, it's not that hard. There, like, if you really, really take a look around, you'll find beautiful uh, facades, like pastel facades, doors. And it's also about just trying to to work around the light and try to find uh, beauty in the city. I think the city is great if you are into photographing seasons. Uh, the spring here is gorgeous. You have beautiful, beautiful flowers, beautiful gardens, cherry blossoms, tree, uh, trees all over. The autumn for me is my favorite here in London. You'll have the most interesting colors to work with. So, yeah, it's just trying to to learn photography all over again and just reinforce your style. Do you find that you perhaps uh, appreciate when you do find those things more than maybe when you're in Mexico, sometimes you perhaps took those things for granted because they were just always there. Yes. The sun, <laughs> I always took the sun from, for granted. In Mexico, it's like, oh, it's always sunny. I, it doesn't matter. And here in London, when I see a ray of sunlight, it's like <laughs> I grab my camera and I just go to the street and try to photograph something. Because it's not that often that you have sunny days. And even the light temperature is not quite as bright as in Mexico. I think with the light in Mexico, you, you, the colors in your, photo, in your photographs are much brighter and richer than with London's uh, sun. So, yeah, I think it's been, it's been quite interesting. And I never knew how important the sun was for me until I moved here. And when I go back to Mexico or I travel to somewhere sunny, like Portugal, is so it's amazing. I just have so much fun. I recently went to Portugal and I found the sun is the same as in as in Mexico. It has that same like brightness in it that gives you very crisp colors. So yeah. I've been trying to look for more uh, sunny places to travel here around London. I'm looking at your Instagram again and uh, actually just started realizing that you've been to quite a, a number of places. I see photos here from London, as you said, from the UK in general, from the Netherlands, uh, Portugal, India, um, Japan and, and probably others. But again, it's uh, it's amazing how you you manage to harmonize all those places and give them uh, that, that pastel look 
um, which I guess it's <laughs> it's not easy. You really have to go out of your way to find something like that in London. But it's uh, it's great. For instance, and, and I mean, it's not common to to see places like uh, India photographed with this style because they are typically strong strong colors there, much starker contrast when one sees photos of India. Uh, same for the fields of tulips in, in the Netherlands. Uh, I, in my mind, I have photos of fields of tulips that are all very saturated, uh, yellow and orange and reds and so on. And you have pink tulips there, which is not common. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 was, it was hard to find them. I guess so. To be I mean, honest, we were uh, driving for hours. Your, but your, your photos stand out from, from the rest because of that. And I see a photo of pink tulips in the Netherlands and a photo of uh, it's a building. Again, it's London with uh, what looks like a, a peach tree with uh, pink flowers uh, in front of a white house. And it's uh, looking at a page on Instagram on your feed you see on your feed you see this common pink that goes through to all of those photos even if some of them are taken in the, in the Netherlands some in India and some in London so yeah great great I, I really love it if I could if I could just uh, say something before you uh, you you answer that Maria uh, th th when I think of India I think of pastels I mean I think of the beautiful yellow pink blue uh, saris that the women wear and to me that to me is uh is very indian um that just my two cents <laughs> maria what uh please mm -hmm. yes so i guess that when i travel it's like when i moved to london it was just trying to find myself all over again so i think that's why i love the most about traveling is like trying to find myself in that place, try to find my style in that place and adapting to what is going on in that city. India, it was such an amazing experience. It was... Uh, a lot of things happened that I didn't expect it. Uh, so I just remember someone that told me, if you go to India, just go with the flow. Expect the unexpected. And that's what I did. So I went there... And I was just amazed by the beauty of India, the, the buildings, the architecture, the food, everything. Everything was really, really great. Even though it was at times quite overwhelming, there's a lot of chaos, the aromas, the noises, the people, the buzzing cities. But I think that's what I like the most about traveling, is trying to find uh, my essence in that city. Even though I could be surrounded by cows, I like to still manage to find myself in that city. So yeah, I think I hope I can portray that in my in my photography. Great. Do you have any trips coming up? Some other amazing places? Uh, well, at the moment, I'm just going to go uh, for a while back home to Mexico uh, to visit some family, uh, to eat some food and to just reconnect to my roots. And then I'm going to be coming back to to London and figure out what uh, my next adventure will be. Wonderful. Well, Maria, thank you so much for being on the show and for talking to us about your very distinctive photography and travel. 
Um, do you have any upcoming speaking engagements or anything else? Do you do 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 much speaking engagements or do you have do any kind of a book tour for your for your book? Yes, so um, I do uh, several speaking engagements, but at the moment uh, I just I'm gonna be in Argentina, so I'll the the dates are gonna be on my website. Also for the book tour, everything is gonna be on my website soon. Fantastic. Great. Well, we'll make sure that we put links to everything in the show notes and uh, people can find more about your website at mariamari.com, right? Yes, that's right. Okay. We'll be sure to put links and everything to the show notes there. Yeah. Um, thanks again. I mean, just want to reiterate what Ralph said. It was a, a really lovely conversation we had today with you. So we thank you for your time. Uh, we'll make sure to put links in the show notes to your website especially your book I was browsing through through it so I'm really um, interested in, in it maybe I'll get a copy myself <laughs> <laughs> sure cool. yes thank you very much you too for having me in your show it was a pleasure you're welcome bye bye thank you bye now thank you bye